Hello, hello, hello. Welcome along to Benchcast, the podcast for benchwarmers. I'm your host, Neville O'Donoghue. Today I'll be talking to former President GA, Sean Kelly. I'll be talking to him about Rule 42, the completion of Crow Park, and how he went into politics as an MEP in Europe. Give it a listen. Enjoy. Sean, how are you? Thanks, thanks a million for coming on the pod. My pleasure, Neville. Thanks yeah. for asking me. No bother. I want to start. The first place I want to start is because uh, I was hoping to have the pod with you a few weeks ago because Proposal B just happened um, or was rejected, defeated at the at the meeting there a few weeks ago in the GA in the headquarters. What's your thoughts on that? Because like, to be honest with you, like, like nearly most people can see that the football championship it doesn't seem to be working, and there's one side of games. Like, give us give us your thoughts on it. You know. Well. I'm glad, first of all, that while it was defeated, it got a slight majority of delegates to support it. And I think that was significant because at least, as I said to the President afterwards, you can go now and say majority are in favour of change and that you look at the possibilities for change and bring them forward to Congress next February. If, as some people advocated, that the motion would be withdrawn. I think that would have been an absolute disaster. Firstly, it would have been almost insulting to the delegates who came from all over the world to vote on it. Secondly, it would be a a terrible indictment of those who spent two or three years sitting around the table who put forward the suggestion. And uh, also, of course, it would have been used by those who didn't want any change, even though some of them might be pretending they did, that they would say if it had been put to a vote, it would have been beaten out the gate. That's what they would have said, I presume. And that then would have rendered uh, the time for change redundant, and you'd probably finish up with the status quo. So now at least uh, there were enough intelligent voices and voices who wanted to face reality and want to try and bring about change and reflect the views of the players who are after all the primarily uh, people involved here because they make the sacrifices and do the training and provide entertainment. So I think uh, we can take a positive out of what could have been a disaster because the way it was handled wasn't very good. There was very little preparation put into presenting it to special congress and unfortunately it was left to the former Uptron John Horden to do basically all the promotion all the heavy lifting which he did in fairness to him and also he's to be commended for standing firm and saying no I'm going to uh, insist that this be voted on today uh, come hell or high water and I, yeah. I admired him for that and I backed him up completely in that so when you look at that that's not too bad but of course, proposed lay then, that was an absolute shambles. Imagine a committee uh, coming forward with a suggestion and not one person from the committee is even prepared to speak about it. I mean, that really was a joke. So hopefully now they will uh, take the time to come back with a, a sensible proposal and, as you said, alter the championship and make it fit for purpose because it has been declining in years, whereas hurling has been going the opposite direction. Yeah, I like. I, I presume you're in favour of it, like because I suppose like you make some good points there that, like, surely when this comes in front of the table again, it has a, a lot better chance of passing. 
Well, I did this are some of the proposals. I put forward a proposal a few years ago. I think it's almost uh, 10 years ago now, 2012. The examiner asked me to write an article on how I thought the championship should be run. I put forward a proposal. They called it the Kelly Plan. I think that's still very viable. And I'm going to send that on to the committee uh, because somebody said afterwards, why didn't he run with the Kelly Plan? And somebody said, Oh, sure, he only wrote that. He mightn't, that mightn't have been gone to the committee at all. Well, you'd imagine if you're in a committee that's looking at the proposed championship <laughs> solutions, that if somebody writes an article on it, you probably come across it at some stage or other. But just to make sure, I will submit it this right. time so there can be no excuses. And then let him look at all the proposals. And I think then we will come up with a, a balanced view. The one great thing about the GA and why we might criticise it, eventually, we do get it right. That's there might the, be cock-ups, yeah. there might be poor efforts made to present things at the time, but we always find a way, and I think we will find a way now too. That's true. And Sean, I suppose I want to ask you about the, the elephant in the room, because I know your, your life, there's a lot more to your life than this, but this was surely a big moment in your life, Rule 42. And um, I heard you on News Talk during the week, and they were talking about... And I, I probably agree a lot with the with the other speaker that was on that a lot of and I know there's great work that goes into funding these stadiums, but a lot of them are government funded too. And me personally, two years ago I was in New Zealand, I was travelling and I did the Eden Park tour. And the guy said, This is also like that's the home of rugby. This is a rugby venue, but it's also a cricket venue because we're a small country and we couldn't afford to have two stadiums for both sports, you know. Like you you played a massive part in getting uh, Crow Park open to your sports. Do you think we've come along a long way and you think more needs to be done in kind of, because I, I suppose like you, you're, you're an Irishman first and you're a GA man second, you know, would you like to see us working more together in sports rather than us having our own castles? Well, absolutely. And I think in fairness, we have made some good progress in that regard. And obviously the opening of Crow Park was a big step. And I actually, I have no regrets really, but the one regret in some respects I have, and it's kind of selfish from a GA point of view, is that if we had opened Croke Park sooner, there would have been no need to develop the Viva Stadium. Yeah. The one stadium would have done all the games. But at the same time, it wasn't open and we got it open for that. And it's now open for other sports to utilise if they so wish at any time, which is good. And also our county grounds are available for special occasions like applications by rugby or soccer for major championships. So I think we've made a lot of progress and I'm happy with that. And I suppose in fairness, we are such a, a games loving uh, nation and we have so many games, major games, hurling, football, rugby and soccer, that I suppose Aviva and Croke Park are well utilized even though I would like to see us inviting again the rugby authorities in particular, and maybe the soccer authorities, for games where there's a big demand of more than the capacity at Aviva, that they would come to Croke Park for those. I mean, uh, Ireland versus New Zealand, that would be a sellout in Croke Park. Yeah. Major soccer matches with major, particularly if their team are going well, qualification for World Cups, etc., and I think I'd like to see that happening. 
and we should just uh, maybe retrace that we'd like to see that happening too and let it up then to the other sports to look at the situation. Yeah, I, I a little think, word from us might help. Yeah, I even think it should be going both ways. Like, you know, I don't understand why, like, Toman Park and the Gaelic Crowns didn't get together and just do one big stadium in Limerick. But anyway, uh, the other rule I'd really like to talk to you about is um, that doesn't get half as much attention is that the club player. Uh, you brought in that they can go all the way to Crow Park. Like, I really like that, that he gets his day out in Crow Park. Tell us how you thought about coming about that or was there more involved in that route? That's very interesting. And, you know, today I was on a call there a while ago there with a fellow from Northern Ireland, Philip O'Neill from the Irish Farmers Journal, and he said there's a big article today in the Irish News on that particular topic alone and he's going to forward it to me where they highlight the importance of introducing the club all Ireland's for junior and intermediate championships. And you know, it was something that came into my mind many, many, many years ago when I thought I would never be in a position to influence it because I was part of a kid coming team that won our first county junior football championship way back in 1973. Now, there's so little thought of the competition that it wouldn't even be played as a curtain raiser to the uh, county senior football final, which was taken the same day. We played it above in a club pitch, which wasn't developed too well then, at the Austin Stack club pitch. And then we went down to the county final. And I said to myself, you know, is that all the county junior championship means? And then I saw the club senior championship and how once you won in Kerry, you could try to go on to win Munster and win all Ireland's. And the great also, which I thought was wonderful, so many different clubs won it. Not that many clubs from Kerry had won it, which is good, because yeah. the more counties that win it, the better. And I said, why couldn't we have the same at junior and our island level? And uh, when I was elected president, I was at a function for the senior club championship, and Sean McKay couldn't attend. He was the president. He asked me to go. And I said that day, I said, wouldn't it be great if we had the same for the junior intermediate championships? And uh, I got a good reaction to it. And straight away, as soon as I came in, I proposed it because I didn't want to waste any time. And it yeah. actually came in the following year. Right. Now, there had been, in fairness, some experiments done in the meantime uh, with winners from different provinces playing off. Above, especially, I think, in a place uh, called Cremartin in Monaghan. So yeah. the groundwork, in some respects, had been done. But, of course, the realising of the cake for clubs was not just having a chance to win a little medal, but to play the finals in Croke Park. And that I had difficulty with that because the first year, when they saw I wanted to play the games in Croke Park, the Croke Park wasn't made available because they said that the pitch was being scarified. So it couldn't, <laughs> couldn't be utilised. But I think they felt, why would you open Croke Park when he, he, for four or 5,000 max when uh, the... The, the intelligent thinking that time was that it would take a crowd of about 32,000 to make it pay to open Croke Park. Yeah. But once that happened, I went to Central Council. I said, this is never again going to happen because I'm going to get it passed. That these finals have been played in Croke Park. It was accepted and it has happened ever since. And my own club were there uh, two years ago when we won the intermediate club and it was, I'd say without a doubt, the best day of our lives. Yeah, yeah. If we hadn't had the opportunity to go on from Kerry it might well have been like when I won it way back in 1973. So thankfully it has changed and it's wonderful for all. And I just want to see clubs from all counties winning it, not any county dominating it. I think that has to be also kept in mind.
No, it was like just to, there's a village next to me in Yall, Ardmore, and they got to the final and the two Prendergasts have played for Waterford. They said it was one of the best days ever getting a Crow Park. So it's definitely been a great idea. But um, the other thing I want I know to those ask, two Prendergasts well. They yeah. were great servants of Club and County. They were, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a, Also, it was a success. Like, when I think of your time as president, like, you know, you saw the completion of Crow Park and you saw the completion of the Jury's Crow Park Hotel. You must look back on it as, you know... <laughs> I served the job well there, I did a good job in that. You know, you must be happy with your time as president. Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned not just the completion of Crook Park, because in fairness, most of the work had been done. I, I would just made sure that we finished the Hill 16 uh, end because uh, there was a feeling at the time that because we were so much in debt that it shouldn't happen. Yeah. But I used the support of a former president, Peter Quinn, who was of a like mind, to convince Central Council we should do it straight away, and we did. And one thing about it, I think the budget for that was about 35 million. And because, uh, and I would give credit to Peter Quinn for this, because Peter was chairing it and he knew the construction business inside out, and because we had people like Dave Mackey, who unfortunately died there uh, just uh, two weeks ago, and Hugh Cawley on board, and of course, Peter McKenna, he came in at, 29 million, I think. We saved four or five or six million on it, and that was never really recorded. And when you think of the, the cost, for instance, of the uh, public hospital for children, which is now doubled without a salt being turned, I just think that's something that the GA should have been given more credit for. And also the hotel. That was uh, something I enthusiastically agreed with and pushed, but it was the stadium committee that proposed it. And again, I remember speaking to Peter and the late Dave Mackey about it. And they were so glad that I could see the benefit of it. And they just went ahead and did it all yeah. without any uh, hesitation once they got to go ahead. And it was done again in uh, jig time, costing the GA nothing because they rented it out to uh, the latter for a while. And now they own it fully, which is, again, the people like that who maybe not much involved in the games as such, but behind the scenes. It's a shame that there's more credit isn't given to them. And it was only when Dave Mackey died, I, I, I began thinking about all these things. And of course, he also had an influence in relation to Clamliffe College. And of course, they're going to build a hotel there and that'll be a fantastic facility for the Jay as well. So people like that, I think, played a huge part in that. And I was just privileged to be able to see, I suppose, that they were a, a huge asset to the GA and we shouldn't frustrate them and let them walk away to utilise their resources and their acumen, which we did. And it worked out fantastic because the Croke Park Hotel for us now, everybody in the GA, isn't it great to have it rather than looking across at what was then a derelict site, essentially. Yeah. And also around that time, we had uh, houses rented. Sorry, we had houses with the GA bought, in fairness, and they showed vision in buying them around Croke Park for the day when they would expand, but they were actually being squatted in. Right. No money. Right. They were squatted and there were squatters inside them. So all that was dealt with uh, very, very astutely by the stadium the committee, which I think hasn't got enough credit for all the good things they did. And it was only because I was there as president, I saw what was going on from a daily basis that I could understand it probably best than most. So that was great too. Uh, how do you see the GA now? Because it seems like 
look at your own county there, Kerry Group, sponsoring the Kerry team. Like, it's gone out of the days that it was an amateur sport. It's only amateur name now, but the sad thing about it is that, like, you need money to compete, it seems. Like, if you look at Offaly, who were always a great GA county in both codes, hurling and football, they're after going a bit, a bit back. I know Shane Lowry's after getting involved now. But, like, do you think that, you know, it needs to be brought down a peg or two? Because, you know, you look at the top teams, Dublin, Limerick, Kerry, Nordkadem, they all got big backers behind them. You know, do you think that's an unfair advantage? I think that's a very good point, Neville. Yeah. Something I worry about. And uh, you're absolutely right. While you say it's amateur name, the players are still amateur, but everybody else seems to be a professional or are from a professional background. And it's because of their professional qualifications that most of them are involved in county teams. I mean, I was just reading recently that Jim Gavin had a backroom team of 22 people. And uh, most counties probably have something similar. And no, most counties don't, because you're right, they can't afford it. But to be successful, they would need to. So we do really need to align funding with where it's needed. I think the funding, again, I was involved simply in that, funding for Dublin, which I think was the right thing to do at the time. But it has overstayed its value. The mission has been accomplished. They were able to raise their own funds, fair play to county board. They utilised the money well. They built up. But now I think it's time to help other counties. And as you said, like a great county like Offaly, uh, I remember the great hurling teams from Offaly, the great football teams. They beat us in the five in a row. They're never to be forgotten. James Darby goal. But also what was significant about that Offaly team was that under Eugene McGee, again, uh, a coach before his time, they went one step further every year before they won the All-Ireland. That is not really possible either under the present championship structures or under the resources required for counties. So uh, two things, there are two solutions. They'll have to be given more resources so they can raise more funding themselves, not be depending on wonderful, generous uh, sponsors like J.P. McManus in Limerick, and uh, Shane Lowry in, uh, in, in Offaly. And the, the other thing about those sponsors, and I saw the same myself in Kerry, these are not just sponsors from a business point of view. The likes of J.P. McManus has a huge interest in the GA. Yeah. Long ago, for the last five or 10 years before he ever got involved in Limerick, he was asking me how could they could improve the development and the coaching, et cetera, uh, and all that kind of thing. So when you have sponsors who prepared to put not just their money, but their wisdom and uh, their whole, uh, all their assets behind it, it pays dividends because they won't tolerate any nonsense either. Mm. And sometimes we are inclined to tolerate too much nonsense. You need county boards who are strong and who are decisive and who are prepared to make proposals, not go with the flow. And that yeah. often happens, unfortunately. And if you get that type of a strong county board with good management, and the backing that's needed, then you can go places. Because in fairness, even though counties mightn't have the, the resources that the Kerry's and the Dublin's and the bigger counties would have, they can come through every now and then, as awfully have done in the past in many other counties. And even we saw it with Cavan and Tipperary winning provincial championships last year. So that kind of hope must always be there. And that's where I see the great opportunity there is now to rebalance the books, so to speak, and distribute the funding. And then also, of course, I think uh, the introduction of the Talton Cup, properly promoted, 
will make a big difference because it will give extra games along with uh, reform in the championship yeah. to give them far more games they're having at the moment and to balance the playing field. That's really the challenge now. Balance the playing field and balance the books so that they all can benefit. And I think we would have a golden future yeah. if we do that. And I'd be confident enough it can happen if we no, keep... I, I think... Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're dead right. I think just balance the books and distribute the money better, baby. But, um, and then after being the front man for Rule 40, 42 and all the con- controversy that came with that, how did you decide to go into politics? Like you're, you're MEP, is it now, in Europe? And how, like what? That's <laughs> do, right. Do you like being a human punching bag, Sean, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm simply good at it. Yeah. Now, I, you know, when I came away from Croke Park there after the Special Congress and other motions since then, that were sponsored by Central Council, uh, no opposition to them, essentially. When I think to myself, I said to myself, how oh, in the name of God did we get 70% of people to vote to open Croke Park in a secret ballot? It's one of the great mysteries how we managed to yeah. achieve it, but thank God it did. But I suppose I learned a lot and people saw that I had a kind of a flair for being involved with people in politics. Yeah. And I had been asked over the years, especially by Fianna Gael, but other parties as well, to stand for national politics. And indeed, after opening Court Park, when I finished, Inda Kenny asked me to stand in Kerry, and I thought about it, and I said, no, I thought I was the end of it. And then he came back a year afterwards and said, you know, we'd like to run for Europe. And at that stage, I said, well, you know, I might as well have a go at it and see how it works. It's different, it's new, it's not the same as the doll. So I found it kind of interesting, and I said, I'd have a shot at it. And like everything, and this is the key in some ways to success. Yeah. It's not so much calculating whether you have a good chance of winning or not. It's actually making up your mind that if I lose, I'll be quite happy to lose because I gave it my best shot. And that's what drove me in Rule 42. It would have been far easier to say, no, let let the clubs decide. You know, I'm the president. I'll just go along with the status quo and I shouldn't be promoting something which some people would say is the role of president to be uh, basically defending the status quo. But in the same in politics, I said, listen, I'll have a go at it and if I'm beaten, I'll vote. And then yeah. you can give it 100% and you often do better as a result. And that's really what I did. And I'm quite glad because I'm here now for 12 years and I have a completely different perspective. But the operations are the same. When I'm in charge of a file here, I often am seen to have a far better chance of getting support from across the floor because you need it to build a majority. There are no governments here where everybody votes according to the government if they're in it and against it if they're not. Here you have to build a majority for anything. So all that kind of uh, experience that I learned over the years, I think, has stood me in good stead and I have enjoyed it. And I'm grateful to the GA because only for the GA I wouldn't have had the opportunity. And that's the way I look at it. I could, I own nothing. And the GOs mean nothing. I owe everything to the GA because all these opportunities came, and the same is true of so many people. It helps yeah. you in your professional life, in your private life, in coping with things because players have to be able to go out in the field, give it the best shot, take defeat, and just get on with it the following day. And you were a primary teacher originally, were you? Like you, were you did you teach in St. Brendan's for a bit? And then how did you move into. No, I qualified um, teaching in Dublin. Yeah. In the early 70s, and I taught for four or five years, the same class, out in a place called Kilmore West, from Castle Green, in Artane, in Dublin. Yeah. And it was a new school. They had never played football there before. 
And I started football with a good friend of mine, Jimmy O'Grady, who was also from Kerryman, from Tiplano, right. who afterwards specialised in hurling because he came to love it. Yeah. But we started the first team there. And believe it or believe it not, the man who managed Dublin to win the 19... was it 63 All-Ireland? Brendan Quinn happened to be involved in Parnells, which was just down the road from us. And his party work was going on. And he came to me and he said, we'll get you a set of jerseys if you get the lads to join us. And not only that, I joined them myself and I played with them under a kind of a pseudonym yeah. <laughs> for a few years. So I enjoyed it in my time in Dublin and that's how I got involved. And then I came, I got a job in Brendan's. They offered me a job because actually I was going to do my master's in Trinity, yeah. which I sometimes regret I didn't do. Because it was the start of uh, the first master's education probably program in Ireland, that's at the time. Yeah. So you never know where I'd have finished up. But anyway, I took the job in Brendan's and the rest is his history. Yeah, are, you, are you still involved in the GA, Sean, or is it politics all the way now? I'd like to be involved, but I'd like to be involved more, both in Kilcommon and in Fossa and in St. Pat's, which I helped to found, which is a little holding club right. in East Kerry. Yeah. So I do help promote as best I can, but I'd like to be involved more. I miss actually being able to do things on a voluntary basis. Right. Only a couple of weeks ago, they were picking stones on a new pitch they had developed, a juvenile in Fossa. And it was just great to go back. They asked for volunteers. I went back one Sunday morning, I was there. But just part of it, the kids picking the stones, the adults picking the stones, were all there together. And you, you, I, I miss that. That's the one thing I miss, being involved. Yeah. And being able to go to the gate and say, listen, I did something there that benefited somebody and uh, I got nothing for it. I don't want yeah. anything for it. But I gained immensely from it. And that's what people are doing all over the world for yeah. the GA. That's what keeps it going. Okay. So I'm do more on a voluntary basis, whatever it is. But I'll certainly find, find oh. it because oh. uh, whatever yeah. else happens about politics, the GA will be with us all our lives. How long more do you think you'll see yourself staying in politics? And do you think, uh, do you ever see yourself running for the president's office, do you? Eric, people say it to me, but I'm not sure how serious. You know, you have people all the time going, being put forward, by the way, as presidential candidates. Yeah. Sometimes I, I say I might have to go to Dragon School to develop uh, an ego big enough for yeah, it. Right. But uh, I'm not too pushed, quite frankly. It's not really an ambition of mine. And uh, the idea of living in Paris, Nooktown, for seven years. Seven years is a long term yeah. when you're coming to the the end rather than the beginning of your career. Yeah. So there's something I'd look at, but I, I don't think I'd be getting too excited about it. And maybe maybe that's a good thing, because if you're too ambitious for a job like that, you might be the best person to be a candidate. Because I must say that I think the present president is the best we've had. He just comes across to me as fitting the bill perfectly. He obviously enjoys it. He is very sympathetic with people. He empathizes with them. And I don't think it's all about ego with him or anything like that. I just feel that you need somebody like that to be president. And if someone is overambitious just to be president for the sake of the prestige, that mightn't be the best. But at the end of the day, people vote for whoever is going to be the president. That's yeah. it. Just quickly, Sean, uh, I have to ask you, you came to my school many years ago, Sussurgeon uh, College in Rasgray. You came to give a presentation. Do you remember what it was for? Do you? Just to test your memory. Was the, you were after winning a, a Munster Championship, were you? I can't, no, I can't remember. I remember you. I think you came to give 
Hugh MacDonald, he was our principal. You came to give him a special award for I his do service indeed, an absolutely yeah. fantastic fella. That's yeah. in Rockwell. No, Ross Gray. In, in, in Ross Gray, sorry, yes. he was involved in Ross Gray. Yeah, That's yeah. right, I remember him now. And he did fantastic work yeah. uh, for the GA and others as well in school and elsewhere. I remember him, fine, no, I, strong man. God yeah. bless him. And I remember uh, you, you gave, we were all brought into the hall and you gave a talk and you said the three voices is in life. Dossing, uh, what was, I can't remember now. <laughs> I remember you gave a good talk anyway. You said Dossing. I'd say uh, drink, yeah, drugs that was it. and Dossing. That's it. Spot on. Yeah, I remember. Thank you for remembering it. Yeah, yeah. Sean, to finish up anyway, I do this with all my uh, guests. is a uh, 60 second questions where you have to answer what comes straight into your head. So, uh, what's your favorite food? Favorite book? Favorite food. Schindler's Art. Thomas Kennedy, I think, is one that stands out for me. Became the Schindler's List, fantastic Academy-winning yeah. film afterwards. Uh, Favourite golf course? Golf course, I'd have to say Killarney, because I didn't play that much golf, but it's yeah. close to me, and I think it's lovely. It had the Irish Open there, yeah. and it's it's perfect, both in terms of being close and uh, being very challenging for everybody. Go to karaoke song. Oh, I don't know what I'd say. Uh, one that we love is the one about um, the rattling bog, right. which uh, goes back many, many years. Uh, tea or coffee? I used, would you believe, I never drank coffee until I came to the European Parliament. Right. Never. But now I love it. So I would have a cappuccino now would be my favourite. What, what, right. what is something you've never done but you'd like to? I think one of the things I've really in the bucket list, and my wife was the same, to walk the Camino. I think oh, that's yeah, one it. of the great things I want to do because it's so inspirational. I saw the films about it. There's actually St. James's Way book group here in the Parliament. There's a very good friend of mine we call him Paco. Milan Mon is his name. He's involved in it and he's asking me. And next year is a holy year, so hopefully I will be able to do it next year. Uh, win the World Cup or win the Masters? The <laughs> Well, that's a good one now. Yeah. World Cup, I'd say, probably, right. because it's uh, more difficult yeah. probably to win. Uh, your favourite holiday? Favourite holiday would be, I think, Rome in Italy. Yeah. I like go, I like Italy, in Belgium, tours to Pompeii and those places. All the sites should never get tired of history, pouring out of it everywhere, and uh, lovely food and wine, etc. So that's a good place to be. You won't be lonesome there. And finally, Sean, Westlife or Boyzone? I would be a Westlife fan, I think, yeah. because I think uh, their music is probably a bit bouncier, but there's nothing wrong with my song either, so go for Westlife. No bother. Sean, thanks a million for taking the time out, and I'll, um, I think, look, probably everyone said this to you, I think you did a great thing in the Rule 42 and everything else you've done for the GA, and given the, the small fella he's there out in Crow Park, and best of luck in Europe and all that, and thanks a million. Thank you, Neville. Pleasure talking to you. No it's my pleasure to serve. That's the greatest honor you can have in life, especially the GA. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sean. Okay. Thanks, Neville. No bother. Bye, bye, bye. And thanks for listening. And thanks again to Sean Kelly, the former president of GA. And I wish him all the the best in Europe and whatever else he does next. Um, I hope I bump into him anytime I'm down in Clarny and I'll be down there often enough. Um, But yeah, remember you can get this uh, podcast on Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. I'll be back again next time with someone else from the world of sport. Until then, I'm Neville O'Donoghue, 
Thanks for listening, and I'm only on.